Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, after a dangerous trip into the infamous Scarlet Citadel, our heroes have finally found Ichabon T-Strainer. Unfortunately, they have found him chained to a bed in the corner of a massive room filled with foul-smelling vats, dangerous-looking equipment, an imposing woman who fits the description of the person who lured him to the dungeon. And that's where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm DM Lauren, also known as Oboe. I have special drink in Jack's special glasses. So, multiple months ago, a friend came into town and several of us, this, this was after vaccinations, but before a lot of things were open, a friend came into town and we went to a nearby distillery, the Woodenville Distillery, and uh, which makes wonderful whiskey, which I'd had before, but I'd never actually been to the distillery. We were outside in one of their, their nice covered tent outdoor areas doing a tasting and they have this special bottle. It is bourbon whiskey finished in port casks. <laughs> and we bought a bottle because you can only get this at the distillery. And it is, Luke describes it as Christmas in a bottle, Ooh. which is not wrong, but it is, it is very, very nice. And we opened it earlier. I'll show off the bottle. Oh, wow. That's we pretty. opened it a little, yeah, a little while ago. And so I, I have... Just a sniffer, just a, just a little bit, and, and I've got other drinks that are non-alcoholic to enjoy, but cheers unto all of you as we enter this, the holiday season. Well, hi, um. Hi, um. <laughs> Bernie, what are you drinking? Um, speaking of things that were purchased long, long ago, it's, I feel so bad because, like, this is something we bought at the end of the summer, and then we went to the beach, and then I came back and life got crazy and my back went out. So I hadn't really been drinking because I I think like any kind of pain medicine, you probably shouldn't mix with booze. I, mm. This was just ibuprofen, but at the same time, better safe than sorry. Um, exactly. So in my fridge is this cherry wit, which it just looks like summer. <laughs> it's Ooh. November. Hey. Um, but you know what? It's It's. It's going to be good, I hope. I don't know if I've had this before, so it's pretty. It is that kind of actual perfect golden-y color. I am really hoping that it isn't too sweet. I find a lot of, like, beers are either like, why did you call this a cherry? Like, there's no cherry flavor in it. Or they're like, hey, we're going to go hard on the artificial flavoring and a yeah. ton of sugar. So, mm-hmm. I would say it kind of firmly falls into... Not really cherry flavor, but it's just a good wit beer. And good. it is Side Launch Brewing Company. If anybody is, um, it's in Collingwood, Ontario. So you could, if you live in Ontario, you can probably find this in, uh, at, in the summer in your kind of uh, local beer section of your LCBO. Nice. I don't have a local LCBO, but I will definitely check it out and see, uh, especially if I end up on the East Coast sometime soon, which, you know, might happen. Well, uh, one day, one day you guys will all come up and visit. <laughs> one day <laughs> it will be safe enough to do so. Yeah. And, and money and time. All money the three, time. The three things, safe, money, and time. 
Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this afternoon is brew. Instant coffee popular in India. I don't know if it's exclusive to India or not. Uh, mm. It's pretty straightforward instant coffee. You know, you put the powder in, you put the hot water in, and uh, you stir, add a creamer to enjoy. I'm actually trying it with some non-dairy creamer, which is a bit unusual because it's almost always milk with brew. Uh, live tasting. Here we go. I've had instant coffee before and I've been underwhelmed. I hope this is better. So it's good. It's, it tastes like brew. Um, what I'm actually learning, though, is that there's this whole class of instant coffee that apparently people are celebrating and raising is better than percolator coffee. They're saying, like, if you go high up and enough on it, then it can actually taste really, really good. So I'm looking forward to going on this journey to figure it out. Yeah. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Uh, today, I have an alcoholic coffee drink. It is just coffee and Kahlua and a little Ooh. bit of rum and a little bit of Irish cream. And it's pretty good. Ooh, all of that sounds really, really good. Also, I appreciate the fact that we just went alcohol, coffee, alcoholic coffee. And fun fact, <laughs> if I weren't in the situation that I'm in, I probably would have done bourbon today. So I have a bottle that's been waiting for me from uh, the Total uh, Wine in Claymont, and I haven't had a chance to open it. And yeah, the last time we were supposed to record was going to be the day, but life throws things at you so instead of being a bourbon buddy i get to be a coffee buddy there you go and hey you know the the bourbon the bourbon will keep it will stick around it's true and last but not least carlton what are you drinking hey this is john i play carlton but not too long ago yeah definitely post vaccinations but i live in texas where compliance isn't always the greatest but anyways last week uh the missus and i went out to uh, our local heb and i got a case of dr pepper and cream zero, and that's what I'm drinking today. Ooh, Whoa. nice. Yeah, so we made it. We, we kind of made a little venture out of the house, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just regular old Dr Pepper and cream zero. I mean, it's good stuff. Which is actually a lot better because it's not as sweet as the other Dr Pepper cream. Yeah, and 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 once again, it looks like it's in the tiniest of adorable cans. Yeah, I love <laughs> tiny cans. With all of that, let's get into it. So I gave a brief update, a brief recap of what you've all been up to, but I think it's time for some flavor text on the room that you've just opened the doors to. So this room that you enter on in, three large metal vats dominate the center of this huge room. The vats emit burps of gas and splashes of foul-smelling thick liquid. There's slime that's dripping or squirting out of cracked hoses patched with rags and resin. And occasionally, a shudder runs through the entire assembly. It all just shakes and makes that creaking metal noise that's very unnerving. Work tables around the vats are covered with beakers, vials, burners, bowls of powder, bottles of liquid, grinders, forceps, gloves, ink, quills, and paper in messy piles here and there. And in a nook on the west wall, you can see some simple living arrangements, a bed, a chest, some cooking grate piled with a bunch of dishes, and a familiar disheveled halfling naturalist chained to the bed by his ankle that you all recognize as Ichabon Tea Strainer. There's a similar nook on the east wall that seems to be serving as a reading area. It's got a chair, a little lamp, some shelves and with some books and scrolls on it. And standing up out of this half-destroyed kind of garage from the side of the road chair is a tall human woman. She's in Black robes that have all manner of stains on them, and the robes seem to be more of the 
the wizarding variety. Her feet are covered with oversized work boots that you swear might have a steel toe in them. And as she snaps the book shut that she was reading, you can all see that both her hands are covered up to the elbow in rubber gloves that are pitted and well-worn. She's pulled on the top of her head a thick pair of goggles. They almost look like welding goggles that are resting over straight black hair that's tied back in a ponytail. And she regards all of you with a little bit of confusion uh, as you've burst into the room, as you burst open the doors. And she says, well, so you weren't even going to knock. You're just going to walk right in. All right. What can I do for you? I can't remember which aunt I asked if she was, but that's fine. <laughs> Bernie is going to uh, reach up to where she's next to Jonathan. She's going to like tug on his skirt. She's going to say, everything in here is like really flammable. And I know you like fire, but that's not how I want to die. <laughs> Don't worry, Bernie. Jonathan the Magimuscular got, got this covered. Wink. Okay. Does he say wink out loud? Brittany does not feel like she communicated the correct thing. As soon as you let go of Jonathan, like if you've tugged on Jonathan Majimuscular's hand, like you see a, a, a slight blue flame start emanating from it as soon as he winks. She and, goes, no, no, and no, that's not, that's not what I wanted. Jonathan no. Muscular goes, hi, uh, we're here for him. Jonathan Majimuscular is going to collect the, uh, uh, that halfling. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go. So we're going to grab him and then leave you be. At that, Ichabon looks super excited and then kind of cocks his head at you, Jonathan, and says, Oh, yes. I don't think we've met yet. Uh, Aras sent you. Yes. Jonathan the Man of Muscular. Level, I don't remember my rank, but I'm with the guild. I don't keep track of these things. (laughs) Oh, good to know. Yes, please. Please come and collect me. I would like to not be here anymore. Excellent. The woman looks over at him. And kind of sighs and looks back at you and says, but I'm not done with him. He was being very useful to my research and we're so close. Uh, he wants to leave, so he's leaving. Ma'am, can I, can I, qu- question, may I ask what you are researching? Brittany's like trying not to get in a fight that ends in explosion, poison, and fire. So she's just gonna like. <laughs> what? I don't understand. <laughs> not how I want to die. The woman gives you a very calculated look at that. Um, Roll an inside check, Bernie. Well, that's an 18. She's very obviously quite jealously guarding what she's doing. And your question, while it hasn't set her down a really bad path yet, you can immediately tell from the countenance on her face, the way it falls, the way she stiffens a little bit, um, the creak of her rubber gloves as she grips the book just a little bit tighter. There is a lot of suspicion there. Okay, Bernie, maybe I'm going to try. I'd like to use charisma to to backtrack a little bit and make her feel comfortable. Well, what do you Would say? You like, and we'll go we, there first. Okay. She's, look, you're an artificer? Yeah? No? Not artificer. What's the thing? The alchemist. That's the thing. I'm the the one that has the artifice. You're an alchemist. Yeah, right? Alchemy. That thing with the... the, There's a lot of liquid in here. So I'm going to tell you right now. I like books. I like reading. It's great. Knowledge is power. All that stuff. 
honestly, nobody, nobody is here to steal your research. I assume that you buried yourself in this freaky wonderland of tourism, but also death, uh, in order to keep people from figuring out what you're doing. I was just trying to show an interest in you as a person. This obviously, and she gestures to the horn, really, really matters to you. So if you, I, if you don't want to go deep into like method and, you know, IP and like proprietary stuff that you're hoping to trademark and or copyright, that's totally fine. I just sort of wanted to know what you were hoping to achieve with this endeavor. And honestly, I gotta tell you, like, I imagine if you had talked to Mr. Crane over here and told him, he would probably have agreed to help you or, like, you know, help you source an intern. Did you know most interns are unpaid anyway and you really don't have to chain them to the the bed in order to get work out of them? You just sort of have to promise them college credit? It's a really bad system and really, really, really unethical, but it already exists. You didn't have to go this far. Well, he came willingly. I just ended up having to take proprietary measures to make sure that he wasn't snooping in my stuff. And she gives him this just venomous look. And Ichabon actually folds his arms defiantly and says, you didn't tell me that was your stuff. You didn't tell me exactly what you were doing. And you just kind of told me to help you figure everything out. And then you got upset when I looked at the wrong book and then this happened. And she she then glares at him and says, yes, and all you had to do was to promise to not look at those books anymore, and I would have been more than happy to unchain you, and you refused. Okay. And okay. Ichabon looks like he's about to speak up again, but... Okay. Yeah. I see. I see. So here's something, here's something that we all find out the hard way, is that sometimes you get, like, a degree in the sciences or the humanities, and none of it actually ever involves management training. It's kind of crazy. And then all you have, like, seven people under you, and you're like, what do I do with that? So if you want someone to help you... You really can't get mad at someone for something you never told them to do or not to do. You have to set reasonable expectations. And if you want help that is actually going to be help and not just a person kind of flailing around, you do have to explain some stuff. Now, can I ask you one real important thing? Do I have a choice? I feel like I'm being uh, forced into a therapy session right now. Where you, you might can't... want to contact a professional, honestly, about that. This is more like, let's think of this as HR. Um, were you planning, when you published this paper, were you planning on putting Mr. T. Strainer in the author line? Were you going to let him be a co-author based on the help you were asking? Why would I ever publish any of this this is my research and yeah but this is you publish research you do know that you publish the research so that the larger academic community recognizes you as the first person to make the discovery or draw the conclusion yeah. or the analyze the data yeah you have to be peer-reviewed and then people take you seriously oh, you're not p yeah it's uh... peer. carlton what have you been have you been p reviewing people the, the, i get handed this thing that says phd and i thought it said Pee here, dummy. I have zero interest We're gonna in... We're going to deal with that later. I have zero interest in publishing my work for others to steal and take. 
I'm not at all interested in whatever peer review or P review might be happening. And frankly, I don't think anybody could really understand the brilliance of what we're doing here. I I am here to do my own research for my own benefits, and I could not care any less about anyone else. How are you getting funded? Funded for what? Your research. Things cost money. That is why I'm here, is I find the things that I need. I'm a brilliant alchemist, and I just create or scrounge or craft what I need. And this, this amazing citadel is filled with all sorts of raw materials that I can just draw from and, and craft and create what I need. I mean, can't you see what I've already created here? And she points down at these three vats, which continue to vibrate in a very uncertain way. And that is incredibly sustainable of you, and I applaud that and she like looks over at Travancore for like some stereotypical druid like input like right yeah that's a really good eco-friendly practice and she's like elbowing him right Travancore is going to give just the most barely perceptible head nod of approval but he's hoping that as a noble with noble bearing that like that's something that this alchemist picks up on whether she does or not I have no idea but she'd be like hmm just just, just a simple gesture just a Travancore. simple gesture you do your nod, go ahead and you roll uh, an insight check. Oh, cool. What is my insight? Jonathan the Matrimuscular my... has a non-fiery option that is would be hilarious, but we'll see. We'll see if it's necessary. It's hilarious, uh-huh. I promise. 13. It's hard to tell exactly what she's thinking or how she takes this. You can tell that she recognizes the nod. Whether or not she recognizes the nod of a nobleman. Eh. You do pick up. She doesn't seem to care. Oh like, dear. <laughs> she's not antagonistic towards any of you. You don't get none of you get that she's about to attack. But you definitely get a lack of social graces. Fucks. A mm. lack of No, that's uh, too. She's, she's missing a barren. few things. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a PG thirteen version. She, she does not dis- care. She, she is very apathetic to us. Yeah. She could not care less about your feelings in the situation, your thoughts, your opinions. And while uh, in this moment she is not actively antagonistic towards you, yeah, she doesn't care. That makes Travancore feel a little bit sad. Not too sad, just a little bit sad. The omnif- omniscient voice in your head to make Travancore feel any better, you get the sense that it is not personal, that it is 100% she doesn't care about anyone. That almost makes it worse because he's Travancore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I Jack gets it, but like, I mean, yeah. like Travancore, when you're raised that way, you're sort of looking for validation from any source you can get it. <laughs> Even the random stranger who has accosted your, your friend's co- co-worker. I, I feel very called out right now, and I'm not even a PhD. Bernie just wants to be like, so I just, I, I know you don't want to talk about what you're researching. I just want to confirm a few things. Whatever you are intent on creating, you look like you're making it in mass. You have no plans for it to see the light of day in a way that could benefit you. Because the research will only benefit you, period, end of story. It's the knowledge. The knowledge is the important part. The rest of this is just 
making sure that my knowledge is correct. It's it is reaffirming any of the conclusions that I've come to. But no, the knowledge is is the thing that I crave. And knowledge is only okay as long as no one else has it but you? I don't know about okay, but it is important that I guard my own research. But the question, doc, Dr. Gloves, Dr. Gloves, question, question. That is, that is not my name. Do also, you, you have to let me do, okay, can we actually pause really quick? Because you promised me a charisma check and you're just reacting how you feel like you want to react, but making us do insight checks, so. Oh, I'll get, I'll give you a charisma check in a second. The reason you haven't had to do a charisma check is because what you said was uh, good enough to not make her get angry. Like that was that initial you had said, can I do a charisma check to back away? And I said, well, tell me what you say first. And then what you said was good enough that you didn't need the charisma check in order for her to not fall into, I'm going to attack you. It brought her back out of her, her, I'm about to attack you. But I can give you another charisma check in a second. Carlton, what were you going to say? Uh, so, Dr. Gloves, Dr. Gloves, you were saying that he's been, Ichabod, our friend over there, he's been good for your research. Is it, does it have to be him? Well, he's the one that is here, and my name is not Dr. Gloves. Are you just going to burst into my laboratory and not even know- Do you not even know who I am? Do you not know who I am? No, I have no what? idea who you are, but Why this is- Why would we know exactly. who you are? You've hidden yourself underneath a castle, and you don't want anybody to hear your research. You're not really known far and wide for being a brilliant anything, because you don't feel like sharing. We can help you with your branding. Traveling Quinta smiles. She- she looks- immensely confused as like i don't expect you to know who i am because i have not published anything no of course i've kept everything to myself i expect you to know who i am because you've come here to my no, we came for home. him yeah we came for him. and we met you so yeah. hi you are my name is danska mezalov i am yes an alchemist but not a phd so you, there's no doctor title on there no, I've not gone to any of the formal institutions. Those are all filled with the same knowledge over and over and over again that I was able to glean out of a couple of books when I was young. And I started to do my own research into things that people could only dream about studying. And Well, I mean, uh, you don't really know that because you don't talk to anybody. What if somebody's already done all your research? You didn't do a historiography or anything. I do not think anyone could do any of the research when they don't have access to the same things that I do. For example, I assume that you've already seen the intriguing batch of machinery in the other room. You had to have come through there in order to get here. That is the crux of my work. That is what I have been studying for all of these years. And I am the preeminent expert on it and nobody else. And do I need this one? He's the one who came along. Maybe now I need you. I've needed to do a few things that needed a couple of more hands. Maybe, maybe it's time for all of you to stick around and help me if you're going to just wander into my home and insist on taking away my house guests. So, okay, to pause so that I can do the charisma check, I think, and it feels like that Sadalek's on the same page here, Bernie's point in all of this is to make her give up. In the yeah. sense that she's like, I believe I am incredibly important and unique and I am somehow smarter than everybody else in the world and that I am better than any institution. Literally, I think we're going with mean. Bernie wants to make her feel small. Okay. Like emotionally small. Well, I think I'll give you one more piece of information that you would have all obviously gleaned from this. Uh, and then I'll let you decide on what kind of 
of role you want to make. You're correct in all of this. On top of that is that overarching, she doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Yeah, but she cares a lot, actually. Because at least how you're playing her, how I read someone like this, is it is so important that she is like the best and the smartest and the brightest. It is, but she thinks that the only person who ma- that matters to is herself. Okay, so then she needs to stop saying it out loud because nobody who actually thinks those things would ever say that shit out loud. She'd be like, no, I need him. He's annoying. I mean, I already have a plan uh, that to kick off combat, so. I'm okay with fighting her. Yeah. Well, but, like, we, how do you feel? So you wanted to do a, a charisma check to try to persuade her to, to no, give- No, I just want to bully oh. her at this point. Okay, so why don't you go ahead, because you, you've already hammered into her quite a bit. Why don't you go ahead and give me an intimidation check? That's a dirty 20. That's a dirty 20. She's going to melt into a puddle of her own insecurities pretty soon. I'll say this. It's less about insecurity over her own. You, you can see that she takes a step back as you both kind of accosted her in this way. And it's less her own insecurities and more you are all coming out both mentally and physically forceful. She is obviously not a physically forceful person. Uh, you notice her eye, your armor, Carlton's sword, the bit of magic that Jonathan is starting to play with, Travancore's bow and arrow, the giant bear with the armor. And so she is definitely, she is intimidated enough to, t- to take a little bit of a step back and say, well, I need him for one more thing. Can I at least do that before you all go? As long as you promise not to touch anything. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. We actually had, like, it was way more fun, like, shopping for this trip than being on this trip. And Bernie's gonna gesture to her lovely Canadian tuxedo and then the flannel adorning her friends. And she's like, look, <laughs> apparently you are, like, super brilliant. So you Thank need you. more hands. I'm gonna let you, like, alchemy some things with your, your little playset over here. And we're gonna take him and we're just gonna go. Because I, you s- seem to have realized what the rest of the world already knows, which is nobody knows who you are. Nobody really cares what you do. Um, we're here for him. He's the one that matters. If you could, before you make, like, a massive mistake and she's gonna eye the vats and, like blow this place to hell uh, with your, like, ineptitude. Will you wait until we've just, like, got him and left? Because this isn't, like, I told Jonathan earlier, this really isn't the way I feel like dying today. And I've got a lot of healing power, but healing burns, it's really precise because, you know, like, the skin, if it heals on its own, it gets really shiny. Then you have to burn, like, another healing spell to actually do some repair to get rid of the scar tissue. It is a long rehabilitation process. And... It's just not on the schedule. And so Bernie is just going to like walk forward through the door, not even look at her and just like act like she's picking her way around the tables. Like, I'm not going to touch her stuff. And she's just going to walk on over to to Ichabod and be like, it was nice meeting you. All right. Uh, She doesn't try to stop you or anything. You do notice that when you when you try to be sarcastic to her, she takes it the wrong way. She's when you're like, you know, yes, you're so smart and brilliant. She's like, oh, thank you. So some of it, you're starting to pick up- I rolled a 20, Lauren. Oh, yeah. No, she's intimidated by you. That's why she's not stopping you. (laughs) Then let me roll charisma on what I said. I rolled not for my armor, but for my words. Let me roll for the thing I rolled for. I I totally understand. And uh, that's one of the reasons that she is not stopping you is because of of what you've said 
and how you've said and everything. As you start to pick your way around, I know you said you're making a show of not touching anything. Are you actually not touching anything? I'm actually not touching anything. All right. She, I, I think Bernie does want to look back at Jonathan and, and Travancore and John to like, or sorry, Travancore Carlton to be like, do we just want to fight her? Because it seems like she's making gross stuff. And we don't have the uh, the we don't tell bond, do we? Uh, I don't recall. I don't... Let me think for a second. Cause I know it's... we cast it at one point. I don't know if it expired. Right. It would. I think if not, do. Bernie's going to use like we, eyebrow. We took, a little while, we took a little break to recast it, I thought. You know what? I'll give it to you because I can't remember offhand. Okay. So, okay. so I'll, I'll... Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to tell everyone if if things go, let Bernie go ahead and collect him. If things go sideways, just keep in mind, apes stronger together. That's an interesting. Bernie's in the telephone. Bernie's going to go, you know, I have been really, really tired of killing things. And it, can I tell you guys, she's more obnoxious than a dragon like, that's okay we're we'll be fine uh yeah we'll i kind of just, just want to go back to water deep and do a spa day because like, <laughs> like kind of over being slimy and that's coming from me oh you did have it in your mouth it was in your mouth i i, I am aware. okay with us pulling our way out of this situation going. but oh man do i want it but but hey we're 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 halfway there we're literally halfway to to getting this done so is there anything that bernie can see can bernie ask her companions in the telbon to do a who have better like perception or uh like insight than she does to look at the tables because she's feeling she did not like the goo uh, and the weird stitched together harp she's actually gonna go she's gonna pause in her way over she's got the um Frankenstein's harpies and owlbears. Was that you? She's going to answer that in a second. I'll say you have a couple of options as far as examining like the stuff on the tables and the goo because you're entering the room. You can look and you can do some relaying to your companions through the Telbond or they can enter and they can look. Uh, but at the moment, since uh, they're the, you're the only one that's really entered and gone past and gone gotten close enough to like see what's on the tables and everything you'd be the one making the check but you can definitely call in the telbon back to them to hey look at this look at that jonathan the match muscular is gonna just step into the room and just keep an eye on bernie while she goes and comes back and but is also going to to look around and see if he his arcane eye can determine anything else okay and one last question before she answers you Bernie, are you going to take a moment to actively look at anything on the tables, or are you just walking and keeping engaged with her? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll do an insight check to see. She's looking for something that would, if it broke, would, this is what Bernie would like. Something that will break if it falls off the table. Something that won't harm her if she pushes it off the table, but will piss this lady off sorry i am spoiling for a fight and i think the idea of letting an ape loose in this room is actually a really good one so i think we're gonna provoke some shit if you guys are okay with that <laughs> i mean is that what you say in the telephone you you don't hear jonathan the bed muscular respond but you hear a he oh, i'm sorry yeah, you hear yeah, a bernie <laughs> says that in the telephone bernie says <sighs> time is gonna chime in and say if you look at the tables and she might think you're trying to steal her research, we have a chance to do a peaceful extraction here. Maybe we should try and go for it. I just really don't like her. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we can be out of here. And the, less, the sooner we're done, the sooner we get to go back. Okay. I, at this point. You, she's going to say, Travancourt, we. Okay. So here's the other thing. I don't like her. 
And I have a feeling that if it were up to her, and she's like picking, she's just she's just being a really <laughs> obnoxious little like she's like doing like the kind of tiptoe where your knees come up to so your chest. You're not, and she's on, like, <laughs> you're not using, on Coco Snoot, right? No, she's not, she left Coco Snoot at the okay. door. She's she's not gonna. She saw the vag. She's like not my dog. And she's like occasionally like kind of like daintily got her hands up, and then she like flips her the bird every now and then. But she's like, there's a lot of people who come through here. Carlton's tongue became a slime. A news was a news. An ooze. An ooze. Yeah. There is a lot of idiots that come through here. Are we anyway concerned that we will not be the last people to stumble upon what she's doing and suffer ill effects? Well, we did damage the machine uh, that she couldn't figure out how to work. So. And Bernie's kind of like, kind of like, but what about? these things so we're able to get ichabod which is what we were hired to do we're not i i do agree that this could go bad but we're also not the world's police that's fair and you know yeah she's doing some shady shit but is that a death sentence um if she's taking apart creatures without their consent and putting them back together. Well, Ichabod is not taken apart. I, I think what, what's happening is they're getting exposed to the ooze, and the different flavors of ooze, and getting mutated. They're not getting Frankenstein, they're getting... Is that is that accurate, or is there actually some Frankensteining going on? It's nice that you've said that. So, she's gonna respond to Bernie asking about those creatures at the same time that I would like Jonathan and Bernie to make Either perception or investigation checks. Perception is going to give you kind of a wider look around. Investigation for sure. Yeah. So I'll tell you in advance. Perception is going to give you a wider look around the room so you can get more of an idea in general of the stuff in the room. Investigation is going to give you more details about the stuff that you're next to. So basically the tables that you're right next to. Give me those numbers. I'll have her respond and then you can decide what to do next. Well, okay, Jonathan, you've got better investigation, right? Yarp. I've got better perception, so that's what we're going to do. All right. Uh, so Jonathan the <gasps> Mag- Magimuscular gets uh, an 18 investigation. Okay. That was an eight on perception. Bernie's paying way too much attention <laughs> to how she's attempting to insult this woman instead of actually looking around the room. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on December 5th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. D-U-N-T-T-A-W-T-M-O-D-I. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. So, Bernie, as you call out to her, as you're miming the tiptoeing, heading towards Ichabon, yeah, it's a little hard to get some details about this room more than what you've already seen. And and yeah, you're paying attention to her. She's about to respond about the, the creatures. 
Jonathan, with your 18, you're able to walk up to the table and kind of just slyly eye it without drawing too much attention, because as you've all figured out, she's jealously guarding her information. The vast majority of the stuff that you see on the table as far as notes all tends to be alchemical in nature. She's doing some high-level stuff. It's a little hard to pick out. This is, you, you've had Alchemy 101 and this is Alchemy 601. It's, it's a little above your alchemical knowledge, but she does seem to be, at least from the notes that you're seeing, doing a lot of extraction. And yeah, it's all oozes and cubes and all, all of the gelatinous forms that she is focused on. But you don't see a, a reason or a, an end result. And then she responds to Bernie and with a scoff and says, no, of course not. I'm not stitching creatures together. That's there's no, I would. That's dirty and unproductive. No, but some of them end up down here and I have to either fight them off or I have to protect myself or they just get into my equipment. It seems there was an extraction that I had the other day, which was quite palatable to some of the hoppies and they just they go off and they've decided to drink things that they shouldn't be drinking well it's not my fault you know anything that is so you're not responsible for what goes on in your own lab not if they break in and decide to just grab things no lab security <laughs> pointed <on> look lab <laughs> owner pointed look they were the ones who decided to to come on in and guzzle inside of the tanks and so whatever happened to them is on them so what kind of check do we, are we supposed to assume that what we encountered outside is a result of Harpy's guzzling or? We can insider. Let's see if she's lying. Uh, yeah. Give, give me both. Give me an insight to see if she's lying. And also, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty reasonable, especially considering you didn't see any stitch marks. You didn't see like the, the classic Frankensteining as it were. You do remember these pustules and boils and this weird mutation and that smell that is, a metallic smell, you're smelling it in here. Uh, 16 for insight. Okay. Uh, Bernie, once again, you're, yeah, this woman is setting you off, and so it's a little hard to read. Uh, Jonathan, she seems to be straightforward. She seems to be, uh, yeah, kind of sucks that she doesn't seem to care, but she's not lying about anything. Uh, Bernie, do you want to continue into the room to go to Ica? No, like, was Jonathan's actually, were we actually going to get an insight that was on whether or not those were clearly the harpies that drank something? Yeah, I mean, I would I would think that would be pretty easy to put together. So Jonathan the Muscular relays that and and relays his read on her, on her statement. Bernie and the Taliban is going to, are we at Ichabon? Uh, if you'd like to be, if you'd like to be at Ichabon, you can be. Uh, let's take a look at this chain so that we can have this conversation while Bernie's figuring out if she can pick the lock. Okay, so you get to Ichabon. Carlton and Travancore, what are the two of you up to while this intense conversation is going on? Carlton is just hoping that to be able to leave here with Ichabon, but is prepared to come up with an escape plan, which is now what he affectionately calls getting into combat, if need be. And Travancore? Travacor is watching uh, Danaska like a hawk, like he's watching her for movement, any kind of move towards any kind of weapon, anything that he would resemble as magic, because he spent the last few weeks and months with a wizard and a cleric, so he probably knows at least some of the magic when he sees it. So at the first cue of anything that resembles anything like that, he'll probably let off the Telbon and be like, hey, she's up to something. He's kind of waiting to take his shot, basically, but he doesn't want to have to, because he's like, 
mission objectives. He has a very narrow focus of parameters. He realizes that if you go off and do all the side quests, that you can get distracted very, very easily. All right, so you're in Overwatch mode. Uh, why don't you also give me an insight check with that in mind? Okay. Kind of more reading for body language for danger. <laughs> nine. Nine. With a nine, you don't see any weapons on her. The robe is a bit too big for her, so you can't tell what's under it. But she's obviously not carrying anything, any large weapons. I'll say the one thing you get with a nine, as Bernie gets on over to Ichabon, you do notice that Danska glances not just at Bernie and at Ichabon and at the chain, but then her eyes also seem to fall on the chest that's over there and then back to all of you. But she doesn't seem to be in the process of doing anything destructive. And then Bernie, uh, you've reached Ichabon, who under his breath, very quietly to you, says in Gnomish, Oh, thank the maker that you are here. She is not completely predictable. But if you don't set her off, she's not going to be violent. I don't know where the key is, though. We can... We can figure the key thing out. Do you think she's responsible for the mutations going on? Because she's not really responsible. She's I've only been here a very short time, so I don't know for sure. But I do get the sense that she's not experimenting on anything. And at least while I was here, there was the break in. There was a couple of I'm not exactly sure what they were. They were already pretty big hairy lumbering beasts that came in they're they're drawn to whatever she is is extracting and they i'm not exactly sure but she's not lying about the fact that creatures come on in here and just grab her stuff but i'm sure whatever she is making is dangerous like what we're but doing she's not making any and this is all a no she's not making any effort to secure her stuff better after the break-in maybe i guess there are the traps that she led me around yeah, those don't really do give you a real fun analogy. You've got a bunch of chocolate in your house that you don't put in a cupboard and a dog in your house eats it. It's actually your fault that the dog got sick. Bernie's going to, I want to look at this. She's just going to look at the, the chain to see if he's changed the bed in a way that, like, you know how sometimes it's like, oh, he's changed the foot of the bed and we're going to lift the bed up and we're going to have Carlton come over, lift the bed up and the chain will just slide right off. You don't even have to roll anything. It's very obvious. She she is smart enough to, to have chained him to a part of the bed where you'd have to drag the bed. However, taking that look at the chain, it's a little rusty, but it doesn't look complicated. And you you have been learning how to pick locks. Okay, we'll attempt to pick the lock. And then Bernie's like, Bernie says specifically in the Taliban to Carl, she says, I'm going to attempt to pick this lock, but you may have to come over and use some of that Carlton strength and just like snap the chain. You cool with that? Yeah, and Carlton will start making his way over. All right, as Carlton makes his way over, uh, Jonathan, you were about to do something? Uh, no, no, just uh, just keeping an eye on things. Ready, okay. ready, ready for uh, ready to kick it off if necessary. Sure, Bernie, go ahead and roll a. It's going to be a thieves' tools check, which you have, I believe, half proficiency in. I think so. So Dex plus three. Yep. Go ahead and roll okay, that. So straight Dex. Is a nine plus three is a 12. That's actually exactly what you needed. You fumble for a little bit. It ain't the most elegant of, of picking of locks. And it, it takes a little bit, but you do get it open around his ankle. 
while you are doing that, there's a few awkward moments of silence as this is all going on. Danska continues to stand there looking peeved, but not angry. And eventually she looks over at Jonathan and kind of eyes him up and down and says, you're a wizard, right? Is Jonathan the Madge Muscular that obvious? And he flexes. Well, I don't like to assume, but you do have the trappings. I do also have these traps! And he, he flexes his traps. The work you have done on your physical form is very impressive, especially for a wizard. Thank you. How would you like a little exchange of knowledge if you're going to take away the person that I've been working with? Jonathan the Muscular's uh, eyebrow raises up, and then he catches it, and then raises it back down with his finger. And he goes, what sort of exchange? What languages do you read? Good question. I feel like that's a Travancore exchange. Do you want me to sing the song while I'm looking it up right now? Uh, it's like, oh, well, yeah, the, the, wiz- the wizarding languages, uh, the, the common tongue, and... With, and he says draconic and draconic. Okay. Uh, Travancore, <laughs> like, so they're having this conversation across, so you can hear it. Do you, <laughs> I like it. I, I've, been, I've been going Yiddish with my dress. This is why Bernie actually, this is why Bernie actually fumbles, because she's like, she's like, she's like saying the instructions to herself. She's like made a Travancore level song. And she's like, and then she goes, and just start over. God damn it. Travancore, did you want to speak up with your languages at this point, or are you still staying Overwatch? Travancore is eagle eye on the mission. The mission parameter is to extract Igabond and nothing else. So okay. he's focused on that. He figures anything he does or volunteers will just exchi- prolong this exchange, which he has no interest in. Okay. Danska looks a tiny bit disappointed and says, one of the things I was hoping that he could help with was I was hoping to translate this bit of this book that's in Undercommon that I can't quite get. I was going to offer a little bit of an exchange. I have, I have items of use that you might be interested in. I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about, like, actual magical things. This Again, place... the other eyebrow raises, and Jonathan the Magibuscular catches it, lowers it back down. This place is deep. They have dug well into the center of the citadel, looking for the ley lines and the, the things that are deeper in the earth that I really have no interest in. But sometimes it's good to go to those places to pick up things. And often I come back with interesting items I cannot use. And he was uninterested in most of those. And he did not speak under common, which I thought he did. And the two of them glare at each other for a moment. And it's almost like that friendship gone bad glare. Like you don't know what happened between these two, but there's more than just she convinced him to come and then chained him to a bed. Ooh, sauciness? Ah, I feel tea, like tea. this is if we Bernie in the chat after hearing the Talbon after hearing it, she goes, you know, actually, I can rechain him to this bed. And if we leave this alone for like four more days, this is going to become a really kinky enemies to lovers story. <laughs> Jonathan- it's been friends to enemies to friends to enemies to lovers. It's 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 been a that's trip. called Lauren. That's called second chance enemies <laughs> to lovers. There you go. <laughs> Jonathan the Metromuscular is going to relate to Travancore. And say, well, Jonathan the Magimuscular sees, I guess it's relate to everyone. Jonathan the Magimuscular sees a couple of benefits. Because you, Travancore speaks Undercommon, right? Yeah. Okay. So we <laughs> that can, glare. We that, can I get saw it. that glare. <laughs> keep mind. Travancore's like, I don't know if I want to Listen, do it's this only a keep mind her. if I'm paying attention. Anyway, so um, 
your your focus determines your reality. Thank you, Qui-Gon. All right. <laughs> so Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to say a couple of benefits. One, we get loot. You may get loot. God, I don't know what she's got, but maybe it's something that, if it's not something that these two use, maybe it's something that, uh, that oh, I mean, like yeah, a cleric could use or a ranger could use or a druid could use. But also, if you go over there and read it to her, it puts you in perfect position for what Jonathan the Magimuscular is calling in his head now, Operation Jane Goodall. She was one of the guild's best naturalists. I don't actually know where she is now. I haven't kept, I haven't kept, no, I didn't read the wrong. No, but anyway, it puts you in great position for this mysterious operation that I have in mind. All right. In the name of Jane Goodall. So. <laughs> Jane Goodall. <laughs> Jane Gouda. Um, so, yeah, Travancore uh, just tells Jonathan, just watch my six. And then uh, Travancore, very pointedly in undercommon says, yeah, what do you got? And he starts walking slowly over to her. Her eyes snap to you. It's very obvious she does not understand what you're saying, but seems to get the gist of what has happened. Undercommon has one of those ways. Like, you know, you may not understand the dude talking French, but but you know they're talking French. Yeah, she got the accent. She she glances back over at Bernie and Carlton, which at this point, Bernie, you have unlocked the chain from around Ichabon's ankle, uh, looks back at you, Travancore, and says, all right. Don't come past the vats. All right, Travancore will stop about a little bit before the vats. Okay. She descends from this little alcove that she's been in, puts the book that she's been reading down on the chair, and moves over to the table, rifles around in some of the paperwork, and pulls out what looks like a traveler's notebook. Flip, 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 towards the end, like the last five pages. Eyes everybody again. And then just walks up to you, seems to accept the fact that this has become a detente and walks up to you and hands you the book open to those last five pages and says, you don't have to write it down. I I have a perfect memory. So just read it out to me in common and then I will show you what I have to offer. And you can take him and go. And the Talbon Bernie's going to say to Jonathan, thank you so much for never being that obnoxious about your memory. <laughs> no, Jonathan the Magic Muscular doesn't say anything. He just winks. And he says, he says wink in the Talbond. Of course. Travancore? Would you prefer I read it quietly to myself, to, between you and me? Or are you okay if I read it loud enough that my comrades can hear me? I suspect you're probably going to tell them at some point. So you might as well read it at a decent volume so that we, I can hear. All right. Now, without any assurances that she has anything of value at all, Travancore is curious as what's in this journal. She's going to read it. Okay. I have two questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Are you starting with the page she gave you? Yeah. Start earlier. Start earlier. Well, Wait. and I'll, I'll say you Snoop. do notice. Snoop, read it in your head and then change a few bits for her so that her research is fucked up. Well, that- Look, we're not going to fight her. We can at least well, screw if with I, her. If point. I flip before, she's going to see me do it. That's the only thing. Like, if she point out exactly where she wants me to start, if it's, like, down the page, there's nothing to stop me from reading this before it's down the page. So that's if there's true. a way to snoop on that, I might just scan that real quick and then start where she'd ask me to read. Because that's what she's asked me to do. So she gives you, she kind of opens oh, yeah. the book to you. I read everything you. above your fingers on that page myself. Yeah, and then, so she kind of holds open the book, the, the little traveler's notebook to you, and on the left page points about halfway down. And so she points about halfway down. You can see that, Everything from before where she's pointing 
is also written in Undercommon, but there's notes in a different handwriting along the margins. So it seems like she's at least gotten some of the translation. And then Bernie brings up a good point. That was going to be my other question. Are you just being translator in this moment? Are you going to try to say the wrong translations to screw up any possible research? Mm. What a conundrum. I'll help you out here. As you look at the page, you can tell this is like a technical book. And there's a lot of terms here that you can translate, but this is kind of like if I handed you a physics book, you'd probably be able to read it out, but you might not understand everything that's going on. So this might be a difficult thing to futz around with. So here's what Travancore is going to do. Travancore has a pretty extensive common vocabulary. He's been speaking common primarily for the last at least a year. Um, so Travancore is going to deliberately find the most complicated word for whatever idea is being expressed when he does his translation. Under the excuse of being as clear as possible. Okay. Like the idea being that words mean very specific things. And understanding, of course, hermeneutics, language itself is an and understanding is an active interpretation. Just by reading something and translating it, you are automatically creating new meaning. Dr. Anthony Godziba from Villanova University. Look it up his work. He's great. Um, and Hansjord Gottimer, I guess. He's okay. But <laughs> okay. back to college. Yeah, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read it, but I'm gonna read it in a way where it's it can be interpreted as being very precise, but also be obscure the meaning of what's said too. But like I wanna make sure that I'm reading using the biggest, clearest, most accurate word possible. Okay. So you're not necessarily changing anything. You're just nope. very intentionally using more Big complicated words. words. All right. Yes. I would like you to roll a deception check, but I'll give you advantage because you're not really doing, you're not really lying. Okay, that's not too bad. Let's do one more. Well, it's going to be a 17. Awesome. That's a good check. I think that's great. Yeah, you spend, there's not a lot of writing. It's a small notebook and whoever had written this, it was larger handwriting. So it doesn't take you very long to get through this. Travancore, what you understand before you give the more complicated translation. This is esoteric at best. It is a treatise on the, the wondering if oozes have souls and whether they are actually sentient creatures, much like any of the, the humanoids that you would call sentient, or if they are so alien that we could never recognize their sentience, but they are actually more intelligent than any of us. There's a lot going on here, and a lot of it is very theoretical, and some of it is very much bogus spiritual. There's a claim in the middle of the pages that maybe oozes are actually from another plane of existence, uh, or perhaps were transported here much like Dragonborn were from a beer. You're not exactly sure if any of this is actually useful or helpful. But that's what you get. Okay. When you read it out loud, some of the words that you're able to change, it's less about the meaning of, of this, whether an ooze has a soul, because that's kind of the main point of this whole treatise. But you're able to change a lot of the, the more technical jargon. Uh, like when the book talks about planes of existence, it kind of comes out as other realms. Um, when the book is talking about whether oozes actually have a greater intelligence, you talk about whether gelatinous forms are actually as intelligent as as we think we are. Just like those little changes that kind of obscure some of the meaning. 
Wait, do we know where this treatise comes out? Do they think oozes have a soul? Has she been experimenting on a being with a soul? The book is not written by her, and the the pages that uh, Travancore reads off actually do not come to a conclusion. It is literally a rambling treatise about whether this author thinks that uh, gelatinous cubes and oozes have souls. And all of you can kind of tell there's no scientific method behind it. This is kind of a rambling treatise. It's weird. Travancore, will you, for the sake of Bernie's morality, ask her where she falls on do oozes have souls? Well, I'll be, I'll refinish reading it and I'll say, intriguing. Natural philosophy with probable applications in your work. Where do you stand on that? Do you think oozes have, do you think gelatinous forms have souls? I don't know if anything has a soul. I don't think it's intelligent, though. I've experimented with these monsters for quite a while, and I don't think anything that does the the simple basic actions that it does could be anything except uh, the simplest of creatures. But I am certainly not qualified to even think that I have a soul. Bernie goes very quiet in the Telbon, and then she says, you need to ask her if she thinks they feel pain. And then, so Travancore's going to do this in a roundabout way. You know, people tend to take the sentience as, you know, the ability to think. Sometimes sentience, I've heard cultures and civilizations that think sentience as the ability to, uh, to, to, to feel and process suffering. I don't know if oozes fall on that continuum or not. So he asks without asking. He sort of puts the thought out there, lets her pick it up or drop it up as he sees fit. Well, the ones that have attacked me when I have attacked them in return have not shown any capacity to run away. So take that what you will. Interesting. And you've all, I mean, you all have your own experiences with oozes, so it's kind of up to you. But she so, seems dismissive mostly about- Mostly what Bernie wants to get out is if this woman truly believes that there is a creature that understands they are being violently experimenting on and can feel it, and she is okay with doing it anyway. Bernie's ready to leave the room without violence. Unless that is the case. So however anybody wants to establish a yes or no on that question, so, I think we should always take a hard stand against people who believe it is okay to experiment on other living beings that can't give consent but can feel a great deal of pain and suffering from it. Well, let's gauge our own base of knowledge against that. Is there anything that in Travicor heard that would, or experienced prior to this conversation, that would make him think that Uses have the soul, have the ability to feel pain? Give me a either nature or history check, because you've encountered oozes and gelatinous cubes. Ooh, let's do other oh, packs. Let's do, let's do nature. Muscular. I mean, this is a conversation that's having having out in loud. In the Talbot, Bernie's yeah. inviting Carlton to join since he's very naturey, and she assumes he knows all about it. 22. While that's going on, how far are uh, Bernie and Carlton and uh, Ikabon on the way back from walking there? Are they still in the corner? Or are they waiting for anything? Or are they just trying to get out of that back? Uh, that's a good question. You were able to free Ikabon quite early in this reading of this paper. So you could have decided to stay there. You could have decided to move. Where, where, would, the, where would the two of you like to take Ikabon, or would you have liked to have stayed there? Back to the stairwell. Yeah, we're we're, the doors. we're yeah we're getting him out. Okay, there, there's a there's definitive like get the heck out of dodge protocol here. Sure. Twenty two. With a twenty two, you kind of remember you remember getting attacked by an ooze in Undermountain in Waterdeep. 
uh, or a gelatinous cube. You've been attacked by oozes before. It's hard to tell, but you had the same experience of like they would attack you and you would defend yourself and obviously do damage to them. You actually killed a gelatinous cube and it wasn't like it recoiled in anything like pain. They're weird monstrosities. It's hard to tell, but you don't think they're anything except simple-minded killing machines. Hmm. So Travancore relays that in the cha- in the Telbond, of course. Okay, just a favor to me. Ask her if she ever would consider doing research on sentient beings without their consent, and we'll just then we'll go. We'll get confirmation, and we'll go. I'd be like, you know, I think at best she's indifferent to that. Like, I'll ask her. But uh, I'm, I'm sort of, what Travancore asks and how he phrases it is, like, so the scope of your experimentation, would it ever, like, go to a, to an elvenoid being, or is it strictly limited to these gelatinous beings and anuses? <laughs> I love it every time you do that, by the way. She looks super confused. Like, that is a an option that has never been presented to her, and she goes, And I put that in her head. Thanks, Bernie. No, uh, well, and her her response is there's an internal review board that will come in my head in this world. I the IRB instead of just disapproving your research actually comes and fucks your shit up if they find out you're doing it. Oh man, that'd be so cool! An internal review board that flips over table and destroys research. Yeah, I'm here for it. Fantasy fantasy (laughs) IRB is a bunch of people who have. Um, copies of your uh, your application, and it's got a big stamp that says rejected, and they come and just fuck you up. Sure. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> do you understand how close we are to actually doing that, depending on how she's going to answer right now? Yes. Okay. Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the answer that she, she obviously looks very confused, like, why would you ever propose that? And she says, no, my research is on oozes and gelatinous cubes and why would I experiment on sentience when I could just talk to them? That's the correct answer. Good answer. Good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> I'm, getting some, I'm getting some Morden Solus vibes here. No experimentation on anything smart to do calculus. Well, and she points at Ichabon, who you've now gotten to the stairs with, and says, I just didn't want him snooping around in my stuff. And Ichabon from the stairs, despite the fact that Carlton is like bodying him to get into the into the hallway, Ichabon looks around Carlton and says, you promised me that you were going to show it to me. And she says, I did not. It was not that. Travagor hands the book back and says, uh, let's have a look at those other uh, interesting items you you, uh, you were talking about. OK, fine. Come come along the, the, the long way. The middle vat is unstable in ways that I wouldn't want you to accidentally set off. And she walks literally all the way to the back of the room and then around to where Ichabon was. All right, and Travancore walks exactly at the pace and the pattern that she walks, very careful to mimic her steps. All right. She takes out a key, opens up the chest, and basically Vanna whites the chest in a way, as though nothing in there is anything special. And she says... If there is an item here that you are interested in, go for it. And maybe we can part here on slightly okay terms. And if either of you come back with any more information about some of the research that I've been going about, maybe I will part with more. And you look down and inside the chest, you can find, you can decide to take one thing she's telling you. You do see uh, one potion of greater healing, two potions of gelatinous form. You see a small stone sitting on what looks like a little pillow. 
It's a little, obviously some sort of a magical stone. You see a belt with a face of a dwarf on it, and you see a very large clear gem. It's not a diamond, but it's a very large clear gem of some sort. I relay that to the party three of the Telbond, and I, I'll leave it up to them what they want to take. I vote for the stone or the belt. I think Carlton probably votes for the belt. You said belt with a dwarf face, not a giant face? It is a belt with the face of a dwarf, especially considering where you are. It is very obvious this is a, a dwarven face on the belt. Uh, the stone itself, it's a red jeweled crystal, and it seems to be about an inch in diameter. And the gem is much bigger. It's almost like a prism. It's kind of uh, lantern-sized. Bernie's only contribution is, if we get the gem, it's probably too big to go up Carlton's butt unless he's been doing some anal training. (laughs) (laughs) One time! All right. (laughs) And then she continues to usher Ichabod down itself. Carlton's like, uh, I'm good on the belt. Let's go for one of the gems. Gems are always interesting. All okay. right, so it sounds like the gem has the most intrigue, so Travancore will take the gem. All right, you take that. She closes the chest. She looks at you and she says, please get out of my home so I can go back to my book. Got it. Pleasure meeting you. Good cultural exchange. And then Travancore walks uh, slowly, but uh, well, actually briskly, but carefully back to the exit. Okay. Do you pass by the center tank? No, I want to go the way I came. Okay. Because I knew that was safe. Lauren so wants the tank to explode accidentally on. I mean, I don't. I I think whatever's in it hates things. So if something gets too close, like where Jonathan the Magimuscular was planning on standing a moment ago, then... uh, Jonathan, give me as, as you all exit and you have this thought. Give me one last investigation check. Sure. I'll, I'll give you an investigation one, even though you're pretty far away from the tank. 14. I think that reflects, like, how far away I am. And I think that's accurate. Here's what I'll say. The tubes going in and out of that center tank look especially rickety. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Uh, uh, Meanwhile, as you're walking away, Ichabon is, is chattering on now back in common of, oh, she was just impossible to work with, and I thought that this was going to be something interesting, and yet she was definitely... Uh, capable of of getting us down here, but like this this entire setup is just completely untenable. And you know the fact that she would get so upset about sharing her research, and then and then the chains came out. I mean, what an absolute! And then before she can he can say something fairly nasty, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan's like, okay, uh, Daniska, we're we're good. Thank you so much. Uh, and he backs out, and he's and he goes to to uh, to T Strain. He's like. We'll talk when we get topside. But for now, we're going to concentrate on our environment. We're not going to run into any more traps. And we're going to exit here safely with, with the package. And he glares at him. Delivered. Jonathan, in the Telbond. Yo. I go, hey, Jonathan. Yo. You're talking about not setting off any traps and being very deliberate on our way out of here. Can't you just teleport us back to the Amethyst Acropolis? Carlton, you're smarter than you think. And Jonathan the Med. And as he as he say that, smarter or lazier? Why not both? It can be Why both. not both? Porcano <laughs> almost yeah. And Jonathan is going to expend his ninth level spell to cast Ooh. teleport on all of us. Yay! All right. Travacor was just going to say to Bernie the Telbon, um, 
judging by the impression that she made on me, this this might be a problem that ends up solving itself. Yeah, (laughs) I'm letting myself believe that some people are their own punishment. It's sort of like when when you rank Oklahoma at number eight in the playoff uh, rankings, and you just know it'll work itself out, like them losing to Baylor today. Yeah, they probably deserve to to get ranked down there because they weren't going to make any noise anyway. Yes, it'll work itself out. I had to watch Wake Forest lose to UNC last week. It was not a good time. Yeah, I'm sorry. Gridiron. You cast the teleport. There is a moment and then you all disappear to momentarily reappear at the Scar... Not Scarlet Citadel. To momentarily reappear at the Amethyst Acropolis, which is where we will pick it up next time we get together. But for now, since you have left the Scarlet Citadel and made it safely back home with the package. I will give you some experience and we'll pick up here next so time. So that ninth level spell, mm-hmm. Operation Jane Goodall, was going to be a mass, mass polymorph. polymorph. I- oh, we could have been apes, you everyone, guys! You guys! Everyone would have been an ape. Ichabon would have been an ape. Coco Snoot would have been an ape. Bucks would have been an ape. I could do 10 willing creatures. And if someone didn't, like if Travancore was like, hey, I'm more effective as Travancore, you could try and save against the spell. DC is 19, but you could try. <laughs> I just, man. Okay, look, listen. At some point, like, the thing is, Carlton was correct. And had we not ended there, Bernie would have had a moment where she said, thank you for reminding me that we are not the police of the world, even if I don't like somebody. And it really was like, she's not, we cannot prove she is experimenting on. But, I, mean, I I liked Bernie's willingness to ask the question because that was a good thought like she may not be doing it now but if we got the hint of oh well that's a good idea then it would have been ape time and and i thought it was funny you were talking about like a a a board coming in and like upturning tables i'm like that's good that could happen that i mean stronger together It's good radio, like the whole idea that this supposedly peaceful exchange could go topsy-turvy at any second. That tension is there the entire game. Yeah. The beautiful thing about that is Lauren was super excited and tense and interested to see what would happen. Danska didn't give a fuck. Was just like, yeah, I don't care about, you know, what happens. It's fine. Y'all are going to leave or stay. Uh, Like she has zero, she has zero ability to... work with people she doesn't read people very well she has no filter so for her it was a very i'm just gonna answer your questions because i don't care what you think about my answers so she was never gonna lie about anything hmm. but lauren what? the whole time yeah. was like oh any second now this could go off you know what's <laughs> funny is that if lauren had not forbade me from last level to take wish it would i wouldn't have taken mass polymorph so that wouldn't have been an option for me but uh, mass poly one of these days. Mm-hmm. One of these days, <laughs> we're going to be in a Jane situation <laughs> where we get to Operation Jane Goodall. I like this because this means now you have had a chance to tell everybody, and so now everybody will be prepared for that moment. But but let me get you some experience so that so that planning for next time can happen. <laughs> so for the Jane Goodall eventuality, for <laughs> for going. Oh, wait, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> We'll see. Well, the Jane Goodall eventuality. For going into a game, convinced there was going to be a fight, and yet not actually having a fight. It really was a map for a social encounter. (laughs) 
listen. I was gonna have Bernie look at her like when your cat looks at you and pushes your glass of water off of the countertop and just be like, oops. That would have set everything off. She would have. Yeah, yeah, but. She would have tried to chain you to the bed. Two members of our party said I would not like to pick a fight and Bernie desperately wanted to pick a fight but likes her party better than she likes picking a fight. (laughs) Which Which is why y'all get along. And as normal, I will give you the experience for that fight, even though you avoided the fight. All together with all of the fun role-playing and everything would be a total of 16,000 experience to split between the four of you. That's easy And the next time we get together, you will be appearing in the Amethyst Acropolis, and we will be concluding this part of your uh, trip into the Scarlet Citadel. For future reference, what you picked up was a gem of brightness. Oh. Does it glow? It Did does. Did we get a, basically a salt lamp? Kind of. Pretty, but does nothing? Uh, no, it does It does quite a few Glows. fun things. Okay. Uh, so this prism has 50 charges. While you're holding it, you can use an action to speak one of three command words to cause one of the following effects. Um, one of the command words makes it shed super bright light. This doesn't expend a charge. It lasts until you use a bonus action to tell it to stop. You can use another command word to cause it to basically fire a beam of light at one creature. They have to make a constitution saving throw or become blinded. Uh, and the third command is they it flares with bright light in a cone and each creature in that, save, in that cone must make a saving throw or basically also be blinded. So Ooh. it's it's a- If we get enough of these, we can put on a laser light show. It is a laser. <laughs> is, is a, I'm a fire in my laser. It is- Yeah, I thought it would be a fun thing for you to have. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, aka Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.